0: Hi, this is Ken Clark. I'm the minister of the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. Here's another recording of one of our worship services. These recordings allow us to worship remotely every Sunday, and the services will be posted weekly on our website, and they're also found as a podcast. The podcast is entitled A Walk to Cleo Hall, which you can find on Anchor, Spotify, or other podcast apps. This service is intended for January 24th, 2021. The organist is Jean Marie Callahan, and the preacher is Ken Clark. Mm
1: To Sunday worship at the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. Our opening words are found in the order of service, and if you wish, you may join in them responsively. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Our first hymn, is O God of Earth and Space. us pray. Lord God, your love for humankind, present in the beginning of all things, extends throughout history and touches all life. Your love sees failings and forgives. Your love feels pain and wipes away our tears. Your love knows grief and comforts the sorrowful Forgive us when we fail to live lives that reflect your love. Forgive us the many times when we take for granted all that you have done for us. Transform us through your Spirit and empower us to serve you this day and all days. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. If we confess our faults, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Though so the reading set for today is selections of the third chapter of Jonah, three one through five, and then verse ten. I'm going to read straight through from chapter from verse one right through verse ten. A little bit of the background to Jonah, if by any chance you're not familiar with the story. Of course, he's the fellow who gets taken in by the whale in one big gulp and spends some time in the belly of the whale, and then is coughed up again onto land. He's the one who is fleeing God, who who has asked Jonah to preach a harsh word on his behalf, on God's behalf. And Jonah is trying to escape that duty. And we join him now after he's had his excursion, having been pursued by God, out to sea, into the belly of the beast and back onto land. We join Jonah at this point where He's finally decided that he's going to do what he has been asked by God, and this is that story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk, and he cried out, forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed to fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, they shall not drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God all shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change God's mind. God may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Here ends our first reading. Our hymn is My Soul in Silence Waits for God. On that last hymn, that's a very good last verse if you are an Arminian, uh, that is someone who believes that good works earn you your salvation versus someone who trusts in grace, more of the Lutheran persuasion, that grace kind of falls from the sky and hits us as God wills and there's really nothing we can do about it, whether we are chosen or not chosen. The Arminian believes that what she or he does can merit, cultivate some of God's favor. In that last verse, for so it is that sovereign grace belongs to you, O Lord, for you, according to our work, shall everyone reward. Of course, we know how it is with Bible verses. People can find countermanding verses and throw one verse against the other. That's how a biblical debate and a division among religious beliefs is created in the first place. But I'm not going to go there today in my sermon. Instead, I'm going to first read to you our second lesson, which is from the Gospel of Mark, that shortest of the four Gospels. In the first chapter, verses 14 through 20, Again, since this is in the first chapter, it's only the 14th verse, so we're very early in the Gospel of Mark. Mark is talking about the time right after the arrest of John the Baptist. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news." As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here ends the second lesson. Today I want to talk about a few things. I don't think anything too heavy, a little bit of a, 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 a biographical digression is by way of illustration for you to look forward to. But I want to begin by looking at these two pieces of um, scripture before us, both the book of Jonah and and the Gospel of Mark. We know the story of Jonah as I've already elaborated it somewhat. Jonah is somebody who is reluctant to do, to even listen to God, to hear what God is asking of him, flees God, uh, doesn't want to do what he's been asked to do. Uh, The second Lesson, the Gospel of Mark is just the startling opposite. The idea of people simply having a brief encounter with Jesus and responding fully and completely, putting down their work, getting up, leaving what they're doing to follow Christ. This is a whole different contrast in itself that one can begin to think about. But even within the book of Jonah, there's a great contrast. Jonah, after he's had such success, preaching to the people of Nineveh and bringing the word of God to them is unhappy that Nineveh was not destroyed. Nineveh, that evil place, as the Bible paints it for us, was spared by God. And Jonah's a little bit upset, saying to God, you asked me to do all these things and now you're letting them off the hook? Well, as a matter of fact, in that section we just read, even the king of Nineveh and all the people are like the disciples in the New Testament. They listen. They hear. They repent. They change. They turn on a dime. Sometimes it seems easy to do. It's, if you've done something wrong, you can turn around and just start something new and God will forgive. That's what is seeing and it upsets him. But in fact, that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to turn around, to stop, to change, to begin anew, to start anew. Before anything in life can change, something has to be said, and someone has to say it. Jonah doesn't seem to get that message in the Old Testament. Before any change can take place, before things can get better, something has to be said, and someone has to say it. Is that prompting of the conscience, perhaps an inner prompting to us, perhaps a message from a friend, perhaps a duty laid upon us to say something in order that there be change. The apostles, the disciples, as they're being called by Jesus, are not yet in that position to say much, but they put themselves in the position of being ready to do what they would have to do. So there's a real difference here, I would say, and it's illustrated in our last hymn as well today. But there's a real difference in two kinds of ministry in these readings. The ministry of Jonah, which is an unparalleled success. People do exactly what he says. He delivers a message from God, and people change, and God forgives. And then there's the ministry of these disciples, these people Jesus calls. As we look at the story, there is not immediate success. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a disciple who will betray Christ. There's a disciple who will deny Christ. There are other disciples who are simply confused. They don't get the story straight. And yet, the ultimate question for us is, we compare these two, is to ask ourselves which of these two groups of ministry, types of ministry, is going to be a success. I want to spend a few more minutes on the Gospel of Mark and how it begins. We know that Mark is the shortest of Gospels, and it's easy as you read the lectionary every week to come to believe that it's just one story upon another story and not get a full feel for the entire gospel, which is one reason why I would recommend to anybody out there who is listening or anyone sitting in the pews that you read entire gospels or chapters from time to time to get a feel for what's going on. We know Mark is the briefest of the gospels, and the other thing that is remarkable about this gospel is that it has no birth story. We are so excited about Christmas and just coming off the Christmas season, it's easy to dwell on the Gospels that tell an elaborate story of the birth of Jesus. But here's this Gospel of Mark, which scholars mostly believe is a really early Gospel, one of the uh, ones that contain the kind of the bare bones nub of what's essential. And Mark leaves out a story of how Jesus was born. There's no mention here of the Virgin Mary. There's no mention here of Magi, wise men. From the East. There is no shepherds or stars or Bethlehem. Instead, Mark starts out the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He quotes Isaiah and John the Baptist, and he spoke speaks very briefly in the first thirteen verses about the work of John the Baptist, proclaiming there is one more powerful coming after me. And then the transition. What's the transition? The birth of Christ? No. The transition is Jesus is passing along the Sea of Galilee. We begin right in the middle of Jesus' ministry. And we begin with this section of Jesus appearing to gather his disciples. Giving them a mission. Giving them a job. Giving them work. A very different kind of work than they're used to. I like to think about the Gospel of Mark in one curious way. It ends as briefly and quickly as it begins. There's no long story after the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's no long elaboration. There's simply this end of when the women arrive at the empty tomb. This is how things happen. This is the shorter ending of the Gospel of Mark. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe sitting on on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Mark's ending. is a very quick and sudden ending to this gospel. No appearance in this gospel. There's an added ending you will find if you go to verses 9 through 20 that we think were added later. But the shorter ending is curious because what's the nub of it? The nub of it is this being telling the women that he has been raised, he's not here. Tell his disciples that he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. And how does Mark begin? John the Baptist, obviously, in Jordan, but by the 16th verse, It's Jesus in Galilee getting his disciples, gathering them together. It's just curious to me that the Gospel of Mark seems to begin and end on this note of Galilee, a place of work, a place where people are found, a place where people respond fully and wholeheartedly to the presence of God. That, Mark seems to be saying, is where, at the end of the day, we will find the risen Christ. In our workaday world, in our working lives, there Jesus will be asking us a simple question Follow me. And it is all our response that counts. Amen. Our hymn reflects, in one way, the story of Galilee, Lord, you have come to the lakeshore. to everyone who is participating in one way or the other in our service today. Thank you for being part of it. I am going to call for the morning offering, but before I do, I am going to invite you to participate in this morning offering by sending something to the First Congregational Church, One Monument Circle, Old Bennington, Vermont, 05201. And in that way, you can be part of our virtual morning offering. The morning offering for the work of our church will now be received. Give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone. I trust, O Lord, from thee. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, come to us in this season. Be alive to us in our work, in our family, in our friendships, in our life. Be alive to us and call that we might follow you That we might live in just and loving and good ways. That we might recognize in others your presence and your face. That we might see this world as a place of potential and hope. Give us the ability in our day to change. Give us the ability to speak so that change might occur. Teach us always to be compassionate, allow us to take time for others and for ourselves, keep us humble, keep us strong and courageous. Enable us not only to live, but to live with joy, to see and embrace beauty, to understand the delicate web of this life, to appreciate this world we are given, which we share and steward. Allow us to number in these days, acts of goodness. Allow us to be peacemakers. We pray for our health as a country, as a people, as a community, we pray particularly for those who seek health in these days, who seek to recover from illness, from disappointment, from hurt. Be with all those who care, who give us care, be with our families, we give them hope, good days to come. In this winter time, we look upon our world and wait for a new chapter. May that chapter be full of your presence. May our lives be transformed by that news. Now in silence, we make our prayer to you. Amen. And as Jesus taught us, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are thinking about some what we're calling soft openings of the church. So if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, check with the church office to what a soft opening might entail and you'll learn more about it there. And as we conclude... This last hymn, which I referenced in my sermon, They Cast Their Nets in Galilee, is actually um, one I, I tend to like quite a bit myself. And it shows that other side of what it is to follow, not always ending up on the lake shore in a nice cottage, but sometimes the idea to follow, to give everything up, to dedicate your life to something, uh, you don't have the success of a Jonah don't have everybody do everything you want. And so without further elaboration, I'm just going to call for the final hymn, They Cast Their Nets
2: in Galilee.
1: God bless us and keep us. May God's face shine upon us and give us peace this day and evermore. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. I know during this week's service, I didn't give my usual shout out. Thanks to Jean Marie Callahan, who is our organist, and also to Nancy Andrews, who helps out in innumerable ways. So thanks to both of them. If you're listening to the longer service, you will have thanks given to them. But if you chose our speedy, busy day service option, and chose instead the shorter sermon, you didn't get that benefit. In the week ahead, be of good cheer, live your faith, and be thankful for every day. Do something good for yourself and for someone else. Permission to podcast and stream the service music is granted under license number 3009679 from CCLI with all other creative rights reserved.